KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There was a lot to take in as a result of this most recent Supreme Court term, so you would be forgiven if, while processing the overturning of Roe versus Wade and some of the other headline making decisions that were rendered, you missed a case involving Miranda rights. We wanted to talk about that case and what the court decided in Vega versus Teco, so we caught up with David Rudowski. He is a senior fellow at the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School, also a civil rights attorney. So before we kind of dig into the case and the ramifications of the Supreme Court decision. I think everyone has heard of Miranda. Everybody's watched Law and Order. Everybody kind of gets the gist of what it is, but kind of explain its origin and what specifically it does and protects you against. So Miranda was decided in in 1966, uh, but there's a history uh, that led up to the decision in, in Miranda. Uh, uh, everybody knows or has some information that the Fifth Amendment protects against self-incrimination so that uh, persons who are being investigated for criminal activity, defendants on trial, cannot be compelled to provide any evidence against them by a statement, by the use of their minds, right? And and that's in the Constitution for for many, many years from the beginning, uh, comes from the English common law, and that's the protection that people have. It's not self-effectuating. You have to invoke your right against self-incrimination. If you believe that what you say might incriminate you, you can assert the Fifth Amendment. For many, many years, there were cases before the U.S. Supreme Court dating back to the late 1800s, 1900s, and then the 1900s, particularly cases from the South, where criminal defendants, often Black defendants, accused of uh, criminal conduct, usually against whites in the South, uh, were physically coerced into confessing. I mean, threatened, whipped, threatened with hanging, so on and so forth. Um, the court was concerned with that, obviously, and, and reversed some of those convictions where those cases came up. The police started to learn that we can't admit threatening somebody or harming somebody. Uh, they turned to more subtle psychological tactics in getting people to confess. They would hold them for days on end, give them very little sleep, little food, you know, and, until they confess, promise them that things wouldn't go bad if they confess, so on and so forth. And the Supreme Court had a hard time regulating those cases, right? Uh, you had differences in what happened in the interrogation room. The only people there were the police and the suspect. So who do you believe as to what happened? The court finally decided that to really to protect Fifth Amendment rights, and this is the Miranda decision, the state has to inform the interrogating officer has to inform the suspect that he or she has that right. You have a right to silence. You have a right to have an attorney. Anything you say can be used against you in court. And the court was very clear. You had to give that those instructions in a way that would be understood by the person. And if the person said, I don't want to talk, I want to be silent, or I want a lawyer, that had to end the interrogation. That, that was the trade-off. But there was a compromise in Miranda. There was an argument that was made in Miranda by the defense side and by amicus briefs that were filed in the Supreme Court. It's not enough to give those warnings. Before somebody could validly waive their rights, you would be required for them to talk to a lawyer, right? Of course, if that was the rule, nobody would ever talk, right? The lawyer would say in every case, uh, you can talk at some point, but not now. Um, 
And so the court compromised. And they said, no, we're not going to require that there actually be consultation with a lawyer, only that the suspect be informed he has a right to talk to a lawyer and a lawyer would be provided. So that was the Miranda decision, heavily criticized by law enforcement. They said that's going to be the end of confessions. We'll never get another confession again. But pretty soon, police learned to live with Miranda. And remarkably, in the years that followed, uh, uh, by very careful empirical studies, um, many people continued to uh, be willing to be interrogated. 70, 80 percent of people who were supposedly given Miranda warnings wound up talking to the police. The second thing that happened is that this decision was made by the Warren Court, which is probably the most liberal Supreme Court in the history of the United States in the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, that court was soon replaced by the Berger Court and the Rehnquist Court and now the current court. And in subsequent decisions, the court cut back on some of the Miranda protections. In fact, there was a lot of speculation that the Supreme Court at some point might overrule Miranda and say we went too far. And indeed, in a case in the early 2000s, a case called Dickerson, there was a question of whether Congress, which had passed the law after Miranda, saying uh, Miranda invited us to find some other alternatives. Um, so our alternative is to go back to the old rule. <laughs> that was basically the statute that was passed by Congress. Nobody defended that for years. One of the Supreme Court decided to test the constitutionality of that statute. And ironically, in a decision written by Chief Justice Rehnquist, who was one of the most consistent criticizers of the Miranda rule and often authored opinions that limited it, uh, wrote opinions sustaining Miranda and said it's been around for 50 years. Um, police have learned to live with it. Uh, we're not going to overrule it. So this case that the Supreme Court recently decided, I believe it was a civil case, if I'm not mistaken, Vega versus Teco. That's correct. What was argued here? And first of all, before we talk about the decision, what was the argument presented? Right. So what I've said so far is, is all in the criminal context, right? If somebody is arrested, questioned, interrogated without Miranda warnings, the usual remedy, right, if you got to trial, would be to you know exclude or suppress the statement, right? You can't use it. It was illegally obtained. It would be like a bad search of your house without a warrant. Uh, the court would exclude that evidence, right? That was the primary remedy. But there is a federal civil rights statute, a very famous statute that was passed after the Civil War and the 14th Amendment was, was adopted, which permits a person whose rights are violated under the Constitution. That could be a First Amendment violation uh, for religious beliefs, for example, or for speech. It could be a Fourth Amendment violation for a bad search. Uh, it could be an Eighth Amendment violation for cruel and unusual punishment, whatever it might be. That person not only might have a remedy if they're charged criminally, but in many cases, People's rights are violated and they're not charged. They haven't done anything wrong, right? Uh, so let's say the police enter your home, right, thinking that they're going to find some contraband there. Uh, they don't have a warrant. They don't have probable cause. They don't find anything. What's your remedy, right? You're not charged criminally. Um, and this statute gives you the right to sue the police for violating your rights, for damages, for money damages, and in some cases for an injunction if they keep doing it. So... For years, for example, if somebody uh, uh, gave a statement that was coerced and could later prove it was coerced, not only could they have their conviction reversed, but they could sue for damages. And in fact, this is a really fascinating area. You know, people say, well, wait a minute, what do you need Miranda warnings for? 
you know, people are not going to confess to something they didn't do, right? Well, it turns out, you know, with post-conviction DNA testing, which we're all aware of now, right? Starting in the 1990s, uh, DNA has become the gold standard for identifying somebody. There are many cases now, close to 400 cases, where persons who were convicted of very serious crimes, some on death row, some who've been executed, post-conviction DNA testing. The biological material was still there. Uh, the DNA could be tested 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, exonerated. 400 people uh, in the last 25 years. And in 25% of those cases, there was a false confession. People confessed to sexual assault, rape, murder, robbery when they didn't do it. We know they didn't do it because of the DNA evidence. And yet the police claimed they confessed, right? You know, uh, voluntarily. So we know there's something about that process that's problematic. Um, and some of those people have been successful then, not only in getting exonerated, but then in suing the detectives, right, for the false confession. So there is this states that this federal statute that gives individuals the right to sue for damages if their rights are violated. So the question in this case uh, that we're talking about, the most recent decision, was whether somebody, and in this case, what happened was the um, there was a suspect worked at a hospital, a patient claimed that she was sexually abused by him, improper touching at some point. Police came, questioned him, did not give him Miranda warnings. Uh, he gave some statements. The case went to trial. The, 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 the state court judge did not suppress the statement and he was found not guilty, okay? Uh, notwithstanding whatever the, it didn't really confess, but he had given some kind of statement. He then sued the police, the detective, um, saying, I had a right not to be questioned without Miranda warnings. There were no Miranda warnings. The detective agreed that he didn't give Miranda warnings in this situation, supposing on the theory that the person wasn't in custody, he was in the hospital, not at the police station. Uh, so that wasn't a dispute. And the question for the Supreme Court was, could this person sue for damages when the statement he gave was used and he was found not guilty? Uh, if he had been found guilty, nobody could claim he could claim for damages, but now he said, I wasn't given Miranda warnings, I should have been, and this is no different from any other right, you know, it's no different than if you wouldn't allow me to go to church, uh, or arrested me for free speech, or whatever the claim might be, and so that was the issue for the court, and of course, the suspect defendant, now the plaintiff, right, made a very simple argument, uh, uh, he argued that under the statute, any right that was, quote, secured by the Constitution, is remedial under the statute and you can get damages. The government argued, however, for many years, the Supreme Court was able to cut back on Miranda by characterizing it not as a core protection for the Fifth Amendment, but as a prophylactic rule. A statement given without Miranda warnings may well be voluntary in the usual sense, right? But we want the warnings to protect ultimately the, the, the basic Fifth Amendment right. Uh, so it was a trade-off. And since it was only prophylactic, it was more of an inferred right than a direct right under the Constitution. And therefore, there shouldn't necessarily be a possibility of a claim for damages under the civil rights statute. Those were the arguments on both sides. Um, plaintiffs saying it's very straightforward. This is no different than any other violation of the Constitution. However you characterize it, whether you say it's prophylactic or a direct violation of the Fifth Amendment, doesn't matter. It's a right secured by the Constitution. 
The majority, however, a very conservative court now, as we know uh, from this past term, this is when it was decided, um, and it was, it was your classic six to three division, right, in the, in the court, said, no, uh, you know, we've cut back on Miranda protections in other situations. We don't think, and it's a cost-benefit analysis, we don't think there's much benefit in allowing a lawsuit here to deter police from doing it. They'll be deterred enough by the notion that they won't be able to use the statement if they don't give Miranda warnings. That's enough of a deterrence. We don't need additional deterrence. And therefore, there's no claim under the statute. Um, uh, that was the that was the basic ruling. And, and so the question is, what's the impact here, right? You know, is, is, is this is this an indication the court's going to overrule Miranda? I don't think so. Um, I think they that they live with it. It's been limited very, uh, very significantly in, in many respects. Uh, uh, police know how to deal with it. Sure, there are some people who don't talk that might talk if you didn't give them the warnings. Um, uh, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to lead to that ruling. On the other hand, it's another indication that where the court gets a chance, they'll cut back, you know, kind of slice mm -hmm. by slice on the basic uh, Miranda rule. And the next step might be, given the way they've characterized the right in Miranda, is, yes, we'll continue to allow state courts to enforce Miranda if they find that the warnings weren't given, exclude the statement that was given, if there was any uh, one that was given and you want to use it in court, but we're not going to allow a defendant later in federal habeas corpus. There's a way of federal courts reviewing state convictions. Uh, maybe they'll take away that remedy from Miranda rights. I, I don't know. That's 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 a speculation out there. We need to take a break. We will have more with David Rudowski right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back continuing our conversation with David Rudowski on KYW News Radio In-Depth. Now, yeah, I'm curious because you talk about you don't think the court will necessarily overturn Miranda, but could we see if they're because basically now you can't be you can't sue the police if they don't give you if they don't read you Miranda rights. That's kind of am I being too simple about boiling it down? So other than concerns about their investigation, could we just see Miranda kind of be? Most of the time, and not all of the time, and there's not really the concern if we don't read it because we're not really going to be held responsible. Just kind of this natural attrition of police, you know, reading Miranda rights because this threat of civil action is off the table now. Yeah, I I, I think it increases it, right? I mean, uh, you know, detective might think, all right, if, if if a court later rules, I can't use it. Well, I can't use it, right? When they have other evidence, right? But I can't be sued now, right? You know, I've got a complete immunity from suit, so I'm not going to be found liable or have to pay any damages. My department won't have to pay damages. You lose some deterrence, absolutely. I mean, again, think of the situation where uh, somebody's completely innocent, is arrested maybe cause to arrest the person, but they wind up to be innocent people. Uh, they're not given Miranda warnings, right? They go to trial based on what a detective said were inconsistent answers or, you know, some suspicion about what they said, uh, and they're acquitted, right? Um, and now left without any remedy, right? Uh, unless they can show... Now, what the court did say is if you can show that the detective coerced the state, you know, threatened you with a gun or, you know, used improper psychological means to get you to confess. Um, sure, th then you can still sue the, the detective. So drawing a line between not giving warnings and what they call a true Fifth Amendment violation where somebody's been coerced, 
and you have an involuntary statement. But, you know, I, I think there will be some detectives who think, well, I can play it closer to the line here, right? You know, and uh, with, without much possibility of any kind of retribution. So uh, it, 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 it's another cut at Miranda is the way I would describe it. And, and we'll see where this court, you know, if they're going to go any further with it. Um, so that's my take on the impact of this case. And, and as I say, it's interesting that even the conservative justices say we're not suggesting that Miranda is going to be overruled. We reaffirmed it in Dickerson. Chief Justice Rehnquist wrote the opinion. Uh, I, I, I think it'll remain on the books. And state courts, on the other hand, and this is an important point uh, uh, for the listeners here, can provide greater rights, right? So um, a state court might interpret its own constitution, right, as not only requiring the same kind of warnings, but also giving grounds for civil suit against the police. And, and what you see here, which is not uh, unusual, uh, as the court becomes more conservative, some state courts, not all state courts, obviously, we're going to see this with abortion for sure, could be more liberal and provide rights under the state constitution, right, which the Supreme Court can't overrule. So um, we, we may see some development there as well. Who do you think is hurt the most by this? Just as a layman, it would seem to me to be younger people who don't know don't know anything like we all when we were 17 18 we all did stupid stuff um we don't necessarily know uh maybe people who you know english is a second language you know people who aren't familiar with the country stuff like that i mean is that kind of who this kind of targets is will probably bear the brunt of this less sophisticated less educated um uh, somewhat poor people absolutely i mean that's true throughout the criminal justice system right uh, as, as we know uh, we have that dividing line often based 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 on on wealth um so i think that's right in, in terms of who it impacts and it's I, I would say one other thing here um in a broader context on civil rights enforcement um uh, this is a court that's used a lot of federalism doctrines and other doctrines to close the courthouse doors to federal civil rights claims. Um, goes beyond the subject matter we're talking now, but there are a significant number of decisions where the court uh, has said that, you know, even under this very broad civil rights statute, we're not going to let you sue unless you can show one thing or another that's that, that may be difficult to show. So it, it, it does reinforce some other paths the Supreme Court has taken. And it has the impact on, on the very groups you talked about. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 